0: And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. If you take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah
1: chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We're in a series called Vision 2020. And I want to talk to you today about seeing and embracing The culture of God's kingdom. The culture of God's kingdom. See, vision is a great blessing. Without it, we stumble. And the greatest vision of all is spiritual vision. And there's a great story that helps us to understand the kind of spiritual vision we need. It's from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the the temple above it stood seraphim each one had six wings with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one cried to another and said say these three words with me holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke so I said woe is me for I am undone Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send Me. Isaiah writes about the time that he saw the Lord. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He said, there came a point in time in my own life that I got my eyes off a dead king and I got my eyes on the living Lord of glory. I got my eyes off the circumstances of our kingdom. I got my eyes off wondering what's gonna happen to Judah now that Uzziah has passed away. And I got my eyes on the King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear ones, here in 2020, we need to get our eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto the one who is the King and the Lord of glory, and we need to see Jesus in his splendor, and we need to bow down, and we need to embrace him, and we need to say, my Savior and my Lord, and we need to embrace everything about our Lord. We need to embrace his word and embrace his culture. Can you say amen? Amen. See, all of us. All of us have been influenced by the culture we grew up in. Kathy and I, this past week, we talked to a, a dear lady. This young lady and her husband live in another state, and, and they have recently taken in a foster child. The courts placed this foster child in their home, an adorable little three-year-old girl. And she said that she was getting the little girl ready for, for bed one night, and she, she called her name, and the little girl didn't respond. And so she called her name again. And again, the little girl didn't respond. And the lady got the the little girl's attention. And she said, sweetheart, I called your name, but you didn't answer. And she says, oh, my name is, and she spoke one of the most vulgar four-letter words you could ever imagine. She says, that's what my mommy calls me. She says, my mommy calls me, and she said it again. By this time, the woman has got tears running down her eyes and she said, sweetheart, no, your real name and she told her what her name was. She says, you have a beautiful name and you are a beautiful little girl. I want you to know, sweetheart, you're worthy. You're a person that's that's full of worth and value because you're made in God's image and God loves you and I never want you to call yourself that other name at all. We won't use that name in this house. Well, it just shows you what some people do in the culture they're a part of. They think nothing of attaching a four letter vulgar word to their very child. Well, dear ones, what's culture? Culture is comprised of a lot of different things. Number one, it's the way you see the world, it's your worldview, it's your perspective, it's your mindset. Number two, it's the things that you value, the things that you don't value, the things that you hold dear. That comprises your culture. Number three, it's your attitudes. What kind of attitude do you have? And number four, it's the way that you make decisions. And sometimes cultures come into conflict with one another, even in Christian homes. Did you know that you were born and raised in a family that put a blueprint inside you. Your mama and your daddy or your grandparents or whoever raised you, they they put a blueprint inside you and they said, this is the way decisions are made and this is the way these things are done. However, you grow up and perhaps you get married and you marry somebody else who has their own blueprint inside them. And the way they did things growing up is different from the way you did things growing up. And of course we know who was right right? <laughs> and opposites attract. And typically you'll find things like this. You'll find a fella who marries a lady who is his opposite and he loves her dearly, but he loves to save every penny he's ever made. I mean, he gets paid and he writes his tithe check first and then he, and then he pays his bills and then he takes what's left over and he invests it. Oh, he was not just going to put it in the CD where it's just making just a, a few percentage points. He's going to put it in something that's going to make a little more than that because he loves to save and he loves to accumulate. He loves to see it grow. He loves stewardship. But the lady that he's married, in her family, they spent every dime that came their way and when she gets down and sad, she likes to go to her happy place. The happy place is called the mall. (laughs) She goes to the mall and she buys things she doesn't need because they make her happy for that moment and she charges everything on her credit card and she charges and charges and charges and then when that doesn't work, she gets online and she goes to amazon.com and she charges more stuff and then when she can't sleep at night, she watches. Any number of the shopping channels that are out there, and she can charge more stuff. And suddenly, the bills come in, and there is conflict because her DNA, her blueprint, her culture is different from his DNA, his blueprint, and his culture. How many of you know you got to get those things worked out? That's the reason somebody said that, that love is blind, but marriage is an eye opener. Huh. How about when you when you start to raise your children? And she's been raised that, well, if when a child is willfully and wantonly disobedient and rebellious, then there needs to be consequences. There at least needs to be a timeout chair. But he's been raised that he could get by with anything. His parents never disciplined him because he was so cute. (laughs) He was so adorable. Here's the problem. Those cute little babies, they grow up and they become monsters sometimes, right? Anyway, there's a, there's a value, there's a, there's a culture clash. Huh. Let me tell you four important things about culture, four important things about culture. Number one, the culture you choose determines the decisions you make. Now, we're raised in a culture, but at some point in time, we get to choose our own culture and our own culture. And the culture you choose will determine the decisions you make. Most of us think that we're not influenced by outside forces. We want to be our own person. And I'll say this to you, you are one of a kind. You are unique. You are made in God's image and God's likeness. But you and I are far more influenced by the kingdom and the culture that we live in than we can imagine. And the kingdom that you live in and the culture you embrace is going to determine a couple of things. It's going to determine your Perceptions, what you see. It's going to determine your beliefs. What are the things that you, you, you think are true? What are your values? What are your non-negotiables in life? Not only that, but those in turn are going to determine the decisions you make and the choices you make that will influence your actions and your behaviors. Now think of your culture as a flowing river, okay? How many of you have ever floated down the Itchituckney? Yeah? Numbers of you have. Itchy is a great river. I think does it starts over on the other side of Lake City or someplace over there, and it's a great, great, great river. It floats actually floats east and it joins into the St. Johns. But it's crystal clear and it's cold and it's nice. And there are snakes and alligators, but it's still fun. <laughs> Now you can go and get on a raft or a flotation device and you can start floating down the river and that's what culture is like. You, you float down the river and sometimes you're, you're floating over here in this part of the river and sometimes you're floating over here. But here's the deal, guys. The, the, the current is still gonna take you where it wants to take you unless you get out. And some people say, well, I'm not influenced by this person, and I'm not influenced by that person, and I'm not influenced by by this way of thinking, and I'm not influenced over here. Well, dear ones, I just want to tell you, that current is stronger than you realize it really is. And the kingdom and the culture you choose will determine the choices that you make in life. Number two, in life, there are two cultural choices oh there's (laughs) there's thousands of kingdoms there's thousands of cultures out there there's there's all kinds of choices but really when it all comes down to it there are just two choices one is the kingdom of darkness and the other is the kingdom of light the kingdom of god's dear son look at what isaiah prophesied isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 this is just after he had saw the, Lord, saw the Lord in Isaiah 6. And he says, here am I, send me. And God speaks to his heart. And he begins prophesying 800 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah 9 verse 2. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Everybody say, darkness, now light. Darkness. Throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, you find those morta- metaphors for, for different cultures. Some cultures are dark, and some cultures are light. On those living in the land of deep darkness. What does a deep darkness mean? It means there was a lot of lying and cheating and stealing. There was a lot of of desecrating God. There was a lot of, of, of disobeying the scripture. There was a lot of killing going on. There was murder in people's hearts. There was all kinds of wickedness. It says in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What did that mean? I'm sure people didn't know. 800 years later, it's fulfilled. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. It says leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now here, pay attention, verse 16. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. How in the world do you go from being in darkness to coming into light? Well, the next verse, verse 17, tells us, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Dear ones, the only way to leave the kingdom of darkness and to go into the kingdom of God's dear son and come into the kingdom of light is to repent of your sins. And that word repent is metanoah. It means it's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. It means you're walking in this direction, but then you say, no, I'm not going in the right direction. Jesus forgives. Forgive me, Lord God, cleanse me of my sin. Help me, Lord, I repent of this action. And you turn and you begin walking in a brand new action. And you leave the kingdom of darkness and you come into the kingdom of God's dear son. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Every true believer in Jesus Christ has been called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth now look at that the fruit of the light consists in goodness and righteousness and truth and we could say that the fruit of darkness is just the opposite the fruit of darkness is not goodness it's badness the fruit of 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 darkness is not righteousness it's iniquity it's sin it's rebellion it's murder it's hatred it's all kinds of evil and the opposite of truth are lies and falsehood and that's what you find in the kingdom of darkness For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Did you know that God's got an opinion? God's got an opinion. God has a dream, and he wants you to be on his team. His dream is that every. Tongue and tribe and nation of people will stand one day in glory. His dream is that everybody would make their way to heaven. His dream is that everyone, nobody would perish, but that all would put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question. Are you living? Are you living in the kingdom of light? Or are you living in the kingdom of darkness? Let me share with you a third thing about culture. To transfer from darkness to light, you need to experience a new birth and a renewed mind and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible says we're all born into sin. Look at this. We're born as sinners. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You say, well, not me. I'm a pretty good person. I'm a whole lot better than the people that go to my school. I'm a whole lot better than the people that work at my business. I'm a whole lot better than the people that live on my block. Well, you may be, but God doesn't, doesn't grade on a, on a curve. God doesn't compare you with other people. He only compares you with the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sinless. Number two. We're all born into a sinful world. 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Number three. We're born into a world influenced by invisible forces of darkness. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. I want you to catch that. There's a ruler of the kingdom of the air, and his name is Lucifer. He says that's the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. See, there is a spirit that's at work in the culture of darkness. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were thought by nature deserving of wrath. Dear ones, what he's saying here: is spiritual darkness will control a person. Apart from Christ, we're dominated by this sinful world. Apart from Christ, we're dominated by our flesh and our fleshly desires. Apart from Christ, we're dominated by the kingdom of darkness, by the devil and his imps. Let me share with you a diagram that Scott helped put together this week. Huh. See, there's two kingdoms Look at the top. There's the kingdom of darkness. And when you're a a part of the kingdom of darkness, let me tell you what you're influenced by. You're influenced by the world. You say, well, not me. Well, I'm sorry. If you're not in the kingdom of light, you're influenced by the world. You're influenced by self and by the flesh. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You're influenced by the devil. Look, look, go to the arrow at the top. That's gonna lead, it's gonna shape your perspective, your worldview, your mindset, your perceptions. It's gonna influence your beliefs, the things that you believe are true, and things that you believe that are not true. And it's gonna influence your values, your non-negotiables in life. And that in turn is gonna make a a difference in the decisions that you make. It's gonna make a difference in the actions that you take and the attitudes that you adopt. Because you're living according to your natural reasoning and your natural mind. But when you get born again, look at that on the left. When you get born again, when Christ becomes the king and lord of your life, something really starts taking place. Paul told the Colossians, He's taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of God's dear son. You come into the kingdom of light. You come into the kingdom of God. And suddenly, as you come into the kingdom of God, as you hear the word of God being taught, as you read the word of God, as you soak in the word of God, as you obey the Holy Spirit, dear ones, it'll change your perceptions. It'll change your worldview. It'll change the way you see things. It'll change your beliefs. It'll change what you hold to be true. It'll change your values. And that'll help you to make good decisions. And you'll have good actions. And you'll have good attitudes. Somebody say, I want you to have a good attitude. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So there's only two potential kingdoms that you can live in. What are they? There's the kingdom of darkness. And then there's the kingdom of light. I want you to say them with me. Two kingdoms that the person can live in. You can either live in the kingdom of? Darkness. Or you can live in the kingdom of? Light. So say it again. Two potential kingdoms. Not three, not four, not five. There's a whole lot of cultures out there. But when it all is said and done, there's only two that we live in. We either live in the kingdom of? Darkness. Or we live in the kingdom of light. God says, but I set before you life and death. Choose life that you might live. Choose the kingdom of life that it might go well with you, that you might be blessed. Hallelujah. (laughs) After you come out of darkness and you come into the kingdom of God's dear son, that's when I need to do a couple of things. I need to be a part of a small group that's gonna help me. I need to come into Pastors Connect class at Evangel for for four lessons and then I need to get into another small group that's teaching God's word. Because this word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path, and this word starts to shape my value system it starts to shape my perspective it starts to change me inside out. But dear ones, even as I do that, I've gotta keep on flushing that stinking thinking out of my system. Sometimes you don't know how disgusting and stinking your thinking is until something doesn't go your way. I've often used this illustration. When I was pastoring in in Chicago, we were helping out the Romanian mission and we had collected lots and lots of of clothing and food and all kinds of things for the Romanian mission. Romanian mission was in downtown Chicago, right beside Bad Bad Leroy Brown's house. You know, on the south side of Chicago, in the baddest part of town. You gotta beware. Leroy Brown and his dog, his junkyard dog, right? Man, I was down there. I was, it was the south side of Chicago. I am, I'm unloading a van. It's snowing. It's cold. This old Florida boy is freezing. And I just made my last trip into the mission with all the stuff. And I slammed the van door and I forgot to move this hand. And I had already locked it. And the keys were in this pocket. And I'm standing on the streets of the baddest part of town. Oh, Leroy Brown's looking at me. I cannot move my hand. I can't take. Actually, actually my keys are actually in this pocket. Because I couldn't get this hand into this pocket, and I couldn't get this hand into this pocket. And I'm standing there, and two of my fingers are trapped inside the car door and I start feeling faint. I think I'm gonna pass out and I'm saying oh Jesus, oh Jesus, you gotta help me. You gotta help me. Dear ones, I remember, I remember there was a day in my life I wouldn't have cried out oh Jesus. I would have cried out something horrible. I would have cried out some things I wouldn't want anybody to hear or know about. But see, God has changed me. Line on line, precept on precept, Jesus has come into my life and he loves me too much to leave me the way I am. And so he says, Terrell, every day that you choose to live for me and every day that you go to my word, I'm going to keep flushing stuff outside of you. And I'm, and I'm saying, Jesus, Jesus, help me. And a homeless man came off the street. He says, can I help you? His eyes were bloodshot. I could smell cheap wine on his breath. He says, can I help you? He brought a Band-Aid. He he gave what he had. He had a little tiny Band-Aid in his pocket. He says, here, and I'm sitting there, my hand's stuck in the car door, and he's handing me a Band-Aid, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I said, please, put your hand in this pocket and get my keys out. And of course, I've got visions of him getting my keys and running off or something, you know. And again, I'm feeling faint. I'm thinking, oh Jesus, if I fall down, I'm gonna leave part of my hand in the door and I'm gonna stick to the the pavement because it's icy cold here, it's snowing. I don't know why somebody from the mission didn't follow me back out to help me, but they didn't. Thank God this man put his hand in my pocket, he got the keys and he handed them to me. And I unlocked that door. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> See, I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. You still got to say, Lord, would you, would you just flush out of me anything that's not like the Lord? Lord, would you flush attitudes and, 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 and emotions and just flush out all kinds of stuff? And Lord, I want to be like you. Jesus, I want you to to help me. Romans 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, Jesus said, You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 21, Paul says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I don't know about you, but one of the things I learned from my dad as he says, son, you, sometimes you just need to take your hands and lay your hands on your own head. And son, what you need to do is say, Lord Jesus, would you let my thoughts be your thoughts? God, would you let my thinking be your thinking? God, would you deliver me from stinking thinking? God, I just renew my mind according to your word and by your spirit. Lord, change me from the inside out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. That's a good prayer to pray, somebody. Come on. Number four, here's the fourth thing about culture. When you see God's kingdom, you change. In the year the King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. He didn't just say I saw the Lord. He didn't just say he was high. He used two metaphors. He used two adjectives. He was high and he was lifted up. Is Jesus high and lifted up in your heart this morning? Is Jesus high and lifted up in your thinking this morning? Is he the King of kings and the Lord of lords? When you see God's kingdom, you change. You begin living in the light of God's kingdom and his culture. When you're born again, when your mind gets renewed, everything changes. You'll start seeing life from God's perspective and God's perception. You'll start seeing and believing the truths in God's word, and those truths will replace falsehood. You'll start valuing what God values. Your attitudes and your actions will change, and you'll begin to live differently. Recently, a friend of mine suggested that I pick up a book that I read when I was in college a long, long time ago called Destined for the Throne by Paul E. Bilheimer. Somebody likes it, amen. It helped that it's one of my dad's favorite books. and So I picked it up and I started reading it. And Brother Bilheimer, he says, have you ever wondered why this world exists? Have you ever wondered why this universe exists have you ever wondered why we have this solar system he says oh philosophers they wax wise suggesting different reasons why we exist but he says let me tell you why we exist according to the scripture we exist because God, from the beginning of creation, has had one goal in mind, and that goal is to create a bride for His wife, a bride for His son, who will be a wife for His son for all eternity. Go back and remember what He said to the first Adam. He said to the first Adam, "It's not good for you to be alone." And one day, everything on Earth's world is gonna is gonna be sewn up. One day, the trumpet of God is going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and Jesus is going to come back, and we're going to rise to be with them in eternity forever. But we're not just there as loose members of the body of Christ. We're there as His bride. What does it mean when Paul says we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places? We'll be co Rulers with Christ. What does it mean when the Bible says one day we will rule angels or we'll judge angels? What does that mean? We're going to be seated with Christ in heavenly places as His bride. You say, Well, I'm, I don't want to go to heaven and be bored. You're not going to be bored. <laughs> You're not going to just be playing a harp, sitting on a cloud. Dear ones, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be a new Jerusalem. This new Jerusalem is a cube. 1,500 miles high. 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles deep. 1,500 miles deep. In every direction, a cube. How many know you can put a lot of roads and streets in there and they're going to be paved with gold? And the walls are going to be made out of jasper and the gates are made of pearls and there's 12 foundations for this city. Somebody did some calculations and they said, even if you took the city that is built four square, the New Jerusalem, 1500 miles by 1500 miles by 1500 miles by 1500 miles, even if you put put over 8 billion, 600 million streets in it, that would only be half of what's in the cube. And the rest of the cube could hold over four quadrillion people. If you give everybody a 30 by 30 by 30 by 30 room, four quadrillion. And people often ask, well, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? i sure we should go ahead and come on back. Well, there are days I want him to come back too. But dear ones, the reason he hasn't come back is because God has a, a dream. And his dream is to populate heaven, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, with every tongue and tribe and nation and people, and we got to get with it. We got to get with it. We got to bring people to church. We got to tell people about Jesus. We got to help people see that we are salt and we are light. See, if, if 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 you were not on this earth, if the church was not here, I believe this old world would implode because of the evil that's here. But I believe it's the church. I believe it's the light and it's the salt. It's individual congregations all over the world, where people are saying, "Hey, I'm going to live in the kingdom of light instead of the kingdom of darkness." Hallelujah. I said, "Hallelujah. Bow your head, close your eyes. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not in the kingdom of God's dear Son. Maybe if you died today, you don't have the assurance in your heart that you'd wake up in heaven. I want you to know that you can know that you know that Jesus Christ is your King and Lord. But you've got to humble your heart. You've got to repent of your sins and you've got to give your life to Him. You've got to choose who you're going to live for. You've got to choose, am I going to live in the kingdom of darkness or am I going to live in the kingdom of God's dear Son? It may be that you've been here this morning and, and you've walked with the Lord at different points in time in your life, but but something's happened. Maybe, maybe life has just thrown you curves. Maybe... Maybe you've been through a bankruptcy. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe your best friend betrayed you. Maybe you've hurt so bad over the death of a mom or dad or a brother or sister or husband or wife or child and it's caused your heart to grow cold today. The Lord stands and says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the Lord reaches out his hands to you today and say, come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. We know what the Holy Spirit is, but the bride is the body of Christ. The bride is gonna be Jesus' companion throughout eternity. Co-regents, co-heirs. The spirit and the bride this morning say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving, nobody talking. You would say, Terrell, today, I just want Jesus Christ to be my king. I want him to be my Lord. I want to be in the kingdom of his dear son. Just raise your hand and leave it up until I see it.
0: We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.